0: hi and welcome to the scrapyard i am your host nathan mule joined here by taylor
1: hi
2: and xavier i'd trade anthony davis for jonak Nene, and the first
0: overall pick in the next overwatch league draft today we are talking about the stage three week three games of the overwatch league we are also going to be talking about the upcoming mvp voting roll intro so let's get into it shall we uh first off we had vancouver being beaten by the valiant (laughs) Holy shit. Three to
1: one. Oh my god. So, this was Kareem's week.
0: This is the biggest week of his life. They this... also beat Shanghai. I should put that out there, for that's less... It's a good win. That's whatever. a good
1: win. We gotta in... start
0: with what's important.
1: But, yeah, no, this was Kareem's week. Watching him play against Shanghai, he was doing a lot of those sleep darts also. But when it came down to it, and watching him against Vancouver, it was like, every single time bumper would hit his like primal rage that like Winston was out cold or he was sniping Farris and Mercy's out of the sky. It was it was an insane week and the entire team looked solid for once in like a long time and it was really impressive to see Vancouver go down to the team that everybody that's at the bottom. It's like one of the bottom teams.
2: Yeah and so if you want to like kind of separate the weeks of Kareev's life probably gotta go with like the week he was born yeah <laughs> um that's probably like a big formative week probably like the week he started school because that's kind of how he learned to to speak languages and communicate with his future teammates and then you go with this week and i feel like this week is tied with like his birth week as like greatest weeks of his life because Kareem was you know last stage i said og was playing the best video games of his life mm-hmm. and he was this is like Kareev is playing the best video games of his life and like multiple generations of like Kareev's family's lives. You know, like when <laughs> Kareev's great grandfather was playing Tetris, like he wasn't <laughs> playing Tetris this good. Kareev was insane. Yeah. And it was one of those Anna performances where like you feel inspired and then you go home and play Anna and then you realize Anna's exactly. like really hard. And then you just kind of, all right, you know, I'm going to switch to Mercy or whatever. But, I mean, he was incredible. You know, this was... His sleeps were... I mean, they're going to be the best play of the stage when we do our Scrappy Awards. Like, his sleeps were incredible.
1: It was intense because, like, you see a lot of problems with the Valiant. We've been seeing all the issues come to head with the Valiant. And seeing them, like, look how shocked it on Blizzard World for every map against Vancouver that they were winning you could just tell like they even said they had no idea that they were going to beat them going into this week they said they were pushing really hard to go against shanghai and win and they just picked apart what vancouver's not good at and that's somber goats
2: yeah and this is like getting fact fiction is an incredible move Mm -hmm. uh he's been since he's been in the starting lineup he's been playing incredibly and then it just comes down to you know, they're clicking now. Having Fact Fiction is is crazy. Having KSF is crazy. And it's crazy that they were trying to trade KSF earlier in the year. Like, I'm glad they didn't. But, you know, having Fact Fiction in there looking great. Having Kareeve in there for Izzyaki looking incredible and, and showing why he's one of the top support players in the world. And then also having Custa in there is just kind of like this team leader.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. he's
2: definitely like the... the face of this team and he's the leader of this team and you really kind of see how just good of a team they are you know when they won you had space the first one to fly out there and you know greet his teammates and Mm -hmm. they're really clicking as a a unit and that's something that you don't see from some of the other really struggling teams yeah Mm -hmm. is that they're not clicking as a unit and people are still kind of off kilter and we'll talk about that later with dallas but the valiant are a unified force and they all move where they're all supposed to and together
1: one of the things i also found interesting is in the first stage playoffs when vancouver was going against shock and you could hear like the comms and they were like oh these kids these stupid kids like all that like you know uh shit talking and then valiant win that one map and they're like these kids don't know what they're doing and i thought that I was like i was like this is like kind hi- Now seeing them beat Vancouver, I'm like, this is, like, very poetic in a way. I was like, this is very, like, this is worthwhile, like, a calm, shit-talking moment.
2: Yeah, and it's, for the Titans side, I think it was eventually going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like, they are eventually going to lose, you know? This wasn't going to go on the entire season, 40-0 or something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. They were eventually going to get caught, and this game had, like, the air of a game of a team that's getting caught. You know, this felt very much like when the Warriors won 27 in a row, and then they finally lost that game to Milwaukee. These types of games where a team is on a crazy streak and they lose, you really can tell within the first 10 minutes of a game or something that this is not their day. And you really felt that with the Valiant where this didn't feel like when they faced Chengdu. And you're like, well, the Titans are still in this, you know, it's it's going five maps, but the Titans are still in this. And the Titans are still capable of just steamrolling Chengdu, which they did, you know, a month back or so. This game just felt like, what the hell are the Titans going to do? Like, it felt the, like there the was moment, nothing they were the going to do. The moment they
1: came out, like, the Titans came out, and they were playing on the very first map, and I believe that's the map they won. Mm-hmm. When they were playing on that map, I was like, okay, this is the Titans, we know this is, you know, this is that strategy. But what made me realize, like, this is not the Titans Day and this is going to be their their loss is when the uh, casters were like, they only have ever lost on Paris. And I was like, on Paris is what it's going to take for the team of Valiant to realize all that Vancouver does that's their mistakes. And I was like, because Cust is too smart at the game. He'll notice what they're not good at. And then they'll just go from there.
2: And then they just span Sombra. Yeah. And it's... The Sombra thing is really interesting, and I think Vancouver is going to have to adjust. Mm-hmm. And the Shock are going to have to adjust, because mm-hmm. those are the two teams that are at the top that haven't adjusted to the Sombra thing yet, because the New York Excelsior have adjusted. Mm-hmm. and They have Savio be on Sombra, and he looks ridiculous. Like, he's gotten so much better since his first week of Sombra. Yeah. And really, it's just, you know, the garbage teams. But, like, in terms of good teams that are lagging behind the shock and the titans are slowly lagging behind and i wonder if next week we're going to see some like lineup changes because Su was not working out mm-hmm. on sombra
1: like the caster said for <laughs> for every 50% that the valiant was up on their emp they were the uh, vancouver titans were like 20 or so behind and it was just like these little things where where shacks would have get four people with his hat But Soman Sue would get only two. And it wouldn't be, like, anyone important on the Valiant. Like, everyone's important on the Valiant, but there wasn't that follow-up to get them out of it. Because it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be, like, the uh, supports that were getting hacked. It was, like, the
2: tanks. Yeah, it's... So, kind of what's weird is... I mean, I don't see the Valiant just, like, panicking or whatever. Because they're still better than every other team. The the Titans, you mean? Yeah. So, yes. I don't see the Titans panicking because they're still better than every other team. Yeah. But the Sombra thing and, and a lot more DPS play, it's definitely the Titans' duty to kind of look forward and be ahead of the curve instead of being the team that's lagging behind in the meta. And so I wonder if you mess around and have Soman Su or Janu swapped out, you know, like swap out Janu and bring in Stitch to play Sombra. Because clearly Janu or Soman Su are not getting it done as Sombra. Yeah. And this is kind of the same thing with the Shock where do you take out Troyobin to bring in Striker or Architect to play Sombra? Because Sinatra is not a good Sombra, you know, no, compared he's, to
1: he's nowhere near as good as like Dante or Sombra yeah and all the other Sombras. And so
2: do you take out Troyobin because a lot of teams are taking out their D.Va and putting in a Sombra player. So do you do that with Troyobin? Like, you know, mm-hmm. these top teams need to push the pace and look forward because you're gonna get caught up by Houston or Valiant or Shanghai, or, you know, these teams that are having really top-level Sombra play.
0: Especially in this, like, meta of Overwatch League where ult economy is so important mm-hmm. and Sombra disables ult economy entirely. Yeah, and, and... It goes from having, like, oh, well, we're even on ults and now we have none. Yeah, and if
2: you can get an EMP way faster than the other person, you're just, you're going to win that map. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just straight up going to win, you know, and you can really tell when a is getting outplayed like, you could tell when it'll Dante be, outplays somebody. Or, it'll
1: be interesting to see if they do, if Shock, especially because they have these DPS uh, on the bench, if they do, in fact, switch in somebody for somebody else on the team mm-hmm. that has been practicing Sombra in the back.
2: And you care, because they both... I mean, both teams have nutty Zarya's, so I don't know why you would take Soman Sue or Sinatra out of the lineup mm-hmm. just have them play Zarya, and you just take out Janu and Choi and put somebody else in, Sure. And hopefully, this all kind of depends on if they even have a Sombra on the bench. If Striker can come in and play an elite Sombra, mm-hmm. or if Stitch can come in and play an elite Sombra. Like, we don't know that. We don't know if they have a great Sombra, so. Sure. It's interesting, because now it seems like these top teams are vulnerable, and it's actually pretty fun. You know, yeah. like, like, I think we might get a different stage finals this time.
1: Yeah, that's that's where the fun does yeah, come
2: because
0: there's a lot of variance in this meta. So right now I'm going to take a second to plug our social media. So remember, if you want to find us on Twitter or Instagram, go ahead and do that, at Scrapyard Media. You can also find us on YouTube or anywhere else that podcasts can be found, Scrapyard Media. And there will be a link to our Discord in the description below. Also, feel free to find us on Twitch. Find us on Xbox or PlayStation. Scrapyard Media. Or yeah. PC yeah, at wanna, Scrapyard Media. Yeah. Do we have a Steam account? What What are we yeah, doing? Yeah, we got, we got that Steam account. So okay. if you want Steam account at Scrapyard Media. <laughs> so yeah, and feel free. You know, on Twitter or Instagram or even Discord, if you have any questions about the show, to feel free to slide into our DMs. Speaking of sliding, Dallas recently slid into F tier. They're bad.
1: Yeah, it was it was rough. Unco getting an eye injury was part of the reason why you saw some weird stuff happening. Nah, Harry yesterday. Hook looked good, though. Like, Harry but Hook Harry came Hook, in... But Harry Hook looked like, uh... No, he looked fine.
2: He looked like a good support player. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. S-
1: I'm saying, like, we did see some weird stuff happening because there was, like, Anko was injured, and then there was, like, them yeah. not playing OG. Yeah, he's
2: definitely burnt. Like, he's definitely burnt out. Like, he yeah. needs a break. Uh, so... So it is good they're giving him a break, and they're like, you know, we'll give Trill some play. But, yeah, OG's definitely... You could tell OG is like, yo, I need a break. Uh, let me just take some weeks off. And, you know, it's good that they're giving him that time because it's better to have somebody like Trill who's in, you know, and, and ready to play than have OG just kind of strolling into the game just tired. You know, yeah. you, you, you don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, even though they are sliding into an F-tier team, you can kind of see that they are caring about the players and that they're taking these needs into consideration. I just, I don't know what it is with Dallas. Like, Dallas and Houston both had kind of meh games this weekend. It's just, like, there's weeks where the Texas teams look really strong and, like, they're going to come in they're just going to wreck it. Like, we've seen Houston do that already this stage, Mm -hmm. but then there's other days where you see these teams come in and you're just kind of like, this is, like, even them just walking through the tunnel, you can just tell, like, this is not their day.
2: Yeah, and, all right, so with Houston, I think, you know, last week's shock thing was more of a... Oh wow, we caught him off guard, holy crap, we won. Kinda mm-hmm. deal. But you know, Houston is still good. Yeah. They beat Paris and they lost to Florida. But I think this is I think the Florida thing is similar to what London went through with Washington this week, where London focused so much on the New York game and I think Houston focused so much on the Paris game and Florida and Washington became afterthoughts to those respective teams. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they just kind of took those games for granted. And Houston isn't good enough to take a game for granted. London is. But with Dallas, I don't, I don't know what the thing with Dallas is. Like, I, I, I want to, like, be like, oh, wow, here's exactly what's wrong with Dallas. But this is just kind of out of nowhere. Like, yeah. they're just bad. You know, like, they're looking not as hopeless as Washington or Florida. They who, look tired. Yeah, tired. Tired's a good way to put it. They because, just look tired and out of sync.
1: Because... Dallas last stage you know after their homestand and even kind of leading up to it you could see that they were trying they were pushing they had more passion but it just seems like coming into this this stage they've just been really tired and just haven't been clicking. There's just things where it's like I don't know if it's the injuries just overall tiredness in the team drama with Taimu and all that with the bench players but it's just feels like there's just a lot of, like, no companionship.
2: I think that team is just deeply unhappy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like there's a lot more happening behind the scenes that we're unaware of. Because it is weird that a team just suddenly decides to suck like this. Mm-hmm. They have good players. I definitely think they're really missing RCK's flexibility now mm-hmm. uh, from the note trade. Because RCK would be, and is a great Sombra player, uh-huh. and they're missing a Sombra for one. You know, AKM is good in that in that role, but yet again, a good Sombra isn't going to get you past the finish line in this league compared to all the insane Sombras that we have. Like Dante. Yes, like Dante. And then you have Zach, who... All right, all right. Okay, I'll let you go first because okay. I, I have, I have I, I, opinions I on. I know this you person.
1: have opinions yeah. on. Uh, Zach. Well, I'll
2: let you get what you need.
1: Yeah, no. With Dallas, when they went against Chengdu, you could just tell that everybody was really hurt. It was that the final push on Nubani, where they went into overtime and they didn't have the time bank anymore, and you could just see along the entire line of the Dallas Fuel that like they were just broken, they were done, they were defeated, and it's. You see that with other teams where it's like Atlanta where they lose and you can see like two or three people being like, oh man, we're losing. Shock has done it against Vancouver. Houston has done it before. But there's always like that one person on the team that's like, hey, it's okay guys, we got this, we got this, we just have to push, we just have to finish out strong. And you could see along the entire line of the Dallas Fuel that nobody thought that it was, like, nobody stepped up into that role of being like, hey guys, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no Moth. There was no, like, Jake, raucous kind of people who just keep the team kind of going. It was just, like, you could see the entire team was just like, I mean, Zachary looked like he was about to cry on stage in front of everybody. And, like, AKM looked broken. I was just like, this is a tired team. This is a team that's like, they're going out there, but they're not going out there mentally
2: ready. So, with Zach. Mm-hmm. I'd like to preface this by saying, I don't believe in the pylon on Zach. People are acting like he is the sole problem for all of Dallas's issues. He's mm-hmm. not. He's not. He's a fine player. Everyone in this league is a professional. But so there's two things with emotion, and we saw that this week. There is Cruz after uh, Paris's defeat against Boston. Cruz was clearly pissed, mm-hmm. and like he kicked the he kicked the table. He was, you could tell he was clearly angry. Last week, Fusions did the same thing on Boston. Slammed the desk, was super mad. For those players, yes, they're getting mad, and they were clearly tilted during the game, frustrated. But I feel like that stems from kind of like a leadership thing of, I want this more than everybody else on this stage right now. And it frustrates me that we didn't win.
1: Yeah, like you were saying, there's teams that actually you can see that the leadership role is kind of like they're the only ones that get pissed off because they want it for everyone. Yeah,
2: and so that kind of emotion is is, is fine and, and it's healthy. I think sometimes you need to have somebody just kick a table or flip over a desk or something mm-hmm. to inspire everybody else to, you know, step it up. With Zack, there's, there's an emotional energy about the way he plays and, and when you see him and, you know, even his Twitter persona and... You know all these different factors there's just like this emotional energy of i don't want to say toxic because toxic is just this overused word in in Mm -hmm. gaming and i hate it but it's just it's just negative and there's a lot of negative energy around zach you know he's super vocal about hating brig hating being locked on brig jail oh i can't wait for 222 blah 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 always complaining about that you can tell on stage he's he gets visibly tilted and I feel like that definitely affects his play. And it comes down to... I think Zach just kind of... He doesn't solely bring down this team. But I think his negative energy brings down his team in these really tight moments. And these moments where they need somebody like that. I think it prevents him from becoming a really good player. There are a lot of players that are stuck on Brig Jail
0: mm-hmm. in, yeah. the o-
2: in the Overwatch League right now. You know, this. he's not the only one. And while things are changing... I'm sorry, but people are still going to have to play Brig. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only player that's an incredible DPS player that's stuck on Brig. Yeah. Rascal stuck on Brig. Haxall. Birdring was playing... I'm pretty sure Birdring has played a lot of Brig. EQO has played a ton of Brig. Yeah. Haxall, as you exactly. said, plays a, plays a ton of Brig. And the difference is they've embraced... And I'm sure it's begrudgingly embraced, but they've embraced Brig play and have... Mm-hmm been incredible with it. Mm-hmm. And they've been competent and and stepped up for their team when they needed them. And I just don't think Zack is doing that. I don't think Zack has the outlook to be like, well, this is the hand I'm dealt. Let's just make the best of it. I think Zack is going into this brig play, just not wanting to do it. He's, and he hasn't improved.
1: He's looking at him being stuck in this like brig jail as like this ultimate sacrifice to his gameplay instead of being like... Oh, this is just a little while I just need to be just work on this character get really good so when things change back I can I'm not the person that's still stuck on break even if I am still stuck on break I'm making an improvement and it's all about like improving that's it what it is with any team sport if one person is being like I don't want to be the starting person I don't want to be this I don't want to be that then everybody else in the team gets like brought back and that's how it is that just makes negative energy around the entire situation. And
2: straight up, I think we're seeing more DPS. Like, he got to play mm-hmm. Hanzo. He, yeah. You know, he's, he's gotten to play Farah, other projectile DPS that he's great at. But I'm sorry, yesterday, Jinmu busted his ass all game. He mm-hmm. got... Yeah. Zack got outplayed by Jinmu. And straight up, I think if we do go to a more DPS-focused meta, I think Zach is just going to get his ass busted by every single other DPS in the league. Sure. Sia player is going to get chances to shine. Mm-hmm. Haxl is going to get chances to shine. Striker's going to come in for Sinatra or something crazy like that. Profit, EQO, all... Yeah. So many players I can name that are better than Zach. Yeah. So he keeps complaining, but at the end, you bet, like he should just be careful what he wishes for because I think he's going to get exposed
0: as being just a mid-tier okay player. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about... Texas for a while so let's bring it home let's talk about California and how Shanghai went up against both the LA teams they beat the Gladiators but Valiant was on a roll this week and they took out Shanghai
1: so the thing with Shanghai is with Valiant now I can see them kind of moving upwards their team has gotten better and Shanghai has kind of been in that mid-tier kind of B plus teams and Gladiators is it as we have said an A minus team And this just shows that there's something that the Gladiators are doing that's not holding up with the higher teams. The Shocks, the NYXLs, the Vancouver Titans. I just think there's something that Shanghai is doing and now that Valiant is doing from where they are that's showing where Shanghai's mistakes were in their like sombra setup compared to uh, Valiant's and then Gladiator's I don't know what's wrong with Gladiators. Yeah. It's, again, just they're not as good as everybody is saying they are.
2: They aren't. That's... I mean, they haven't won a playoff game. like so. Ever. The, the Gladiators are a fake top tier. Yeah. I will keep saying that. Shanghai, they looked good against the Gladiators. They looked good against the Valiant, but they ran into Caribbean Mania. so... Yeah. There's only so much you can do when the dude is freaking playing with the spirits of his ancestors. It's like, there's only so much you can do, but, I mean, Shanghai... I mean the entire league is swagger jacking them right now i mean the shanghai is the you know they're they're the somber goats team in the overwatch yeah. league and the rest of the league is just kind of stealing their shine but shanghai is going to be a top tier team as long as somber goats is a thing because yeah. they have one of the best sombers in the league and sure. so it's just i feel like it's just kind of simple you know shanghai is always they're i think they're gonna make the playoffs they're gonna lose in the first round put up a tough fight and that's just their role you know they're 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 I don't know if they're, like, the perfectly mid-tier of the mid-tier teams.
1: Probably um, not.
2: But they're, like, above mid-tier. You know, yeah. I, I think they're just lacking dominant Zarya, dominant, you know, like, just another dominant force in their That's lineup. That's not
1: just the Sombra. Yeah, yeah. They need a very solid, like, tank.
2: Yeah. Because at a certain point, that Sombra goats is going to get blown up. Yeah. Or you're going to run into a better Sombra. But, I mean, for now, I mean, they're still excellent. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, so, shout out to Shanghai.
1: Yeah, they're doing, doing,
0: doing the California thing this week. They're
1: doing the Running thing. Running the
0: L.A., placing two L.A. teams. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next up we had London Spitfire with a 2-3 loss against the NYXL, which is interesting. That's the game of the stage. Like, I don't, I don't mean to spoil the, uh,
2: the Scrappy Awards uh, so early, but until somebody can convince me otherwise, I'm going to campaign for this to be game of the stage like I'm freaking Elizabeth Warren campaigning for the Democratic nominee, damn it. Oh, okay. This game was insane. It was five maps. It
1: was. It was.
2: Damn near every hero was played. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there were some, like, League of Legends heroes, but, like, this, oh, it was so crazy, so. It
1: was, it's what we we expect out of the Spitfire. Their
2: last, the last time they met, it was 4-0. Yeah. So this 3-2 was crazy shocking, and it was a super tight game, super close, and just, it just showed some of the best of overwatch has to offer
1: yeah and then as you said earlier the they seem to have all their energy focused on going against nyxl and they had the 2-1 victory against washington again you say like oh they were so focused on nyxl and i can understand that because they wanted to beat them but i also think it doesn't show well that they're only focusing on that one game and i know it's like this is the rematch we got forward we got to do this but I feel like if you're going to come in and do that against NYXL, then you should try and make the game against the worst team in the league go better than a two-one. Second worst. Okay, second worst. I mean, I don't know. You, 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 no but you know did, what? I if mean, if last week they Washington went two-one. Washing is given win. If last week they went two-one against Boston Uprising, and then they do the two the 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 three-two loss against um, NYXL. And then another 2-1 victory against Washington. It's starting to seem like my weird wonky predictions should just be 2-1s when it's London Spitfire. I mean, it's just, just
2: don't, who, who is going to prepare for Washington when you're playing New York?
1: It doesn't change the fact that there was a 2-1. You know what I mean?
2: Washington Washington probably prepared for this London game. Like it was their chance to, you know, show something. Yeah. And to London in the playoffs. And London just was like Oh, all right, we're playing New York. Oh, crap, we have a second game this week? Uh, Let's just show up and win. Like, I, I don't really see the issue of just being like, let's spend our days focusing on the game that actually matters to us against a rival team and just kick <laughs> Washington like they're a bunch of puppies. Sure. And uh, sure, if you get, like, a tie or you lose a map, like, is that deep? Because, I mean, you still win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's and it's not like they're in this tight contention for map score or something like they're they're in a perfectly fine spot where you can just laugh at a Washington and move on to the next one sure
0: and speaking of laughing Florida actually won a game. Rest in peace, Houston's hopes. They beat Houston. What the 19. fuck happened? I think Houston should just, like, disband as a
2: team now. <laughs> I feel like if you lose to Florida, you have to, like, yeah. you have to, like, uh, lose your roster spot for, like, a
0: week.
1: Not to ma- not to <laughs> mention, ma- like, yeah, at, the begin, at the beginning of the weekend, they go against Shock. Shock does what Shock does best, which is 4-0, yeah. the Florida mayhem. And then coming in where Houston, which, you know, defeated the Shock, you're like, Houston has this. There's no way any team has this against Florida Mayhem. Even Washington Justice has this against Florida Mayhem. And yet Houston lost to Florida Mayhem.
0: So Florida is now the best team of the Overwatch League.
1: Oh man, they they're on their I mean
0: like up. logically, like anime power scaling wise. It's Florida true. beat Houston. Houston beat Shock, Florida can beat Shock.
2: I mean, yeah. That's you know. how that's how it works. And and the thing is, you know, they they lost to the Shock early, but that was before they stole Houston's powers. So now that they've defeated yeah, Houston, yeah, yeah, you're right. It in a like rematch, training. in a rematch, it's like a four zero. Yeah,
1: because yeah. um, that's how it works.
2: Yeah, no, it it kind of is. So, you know, Florida, I'm going to predict them four uh, zero when we play Capture Point later this week. Okay, uh, Florida is quite possibly one of the greatest teams of all time, and they ran five DPS against the Shock, and the Shock were like, "What the hell is happening right now?" And it was funny, just kind of seeing their faces mid-game, mid, mid game, like, are they really running five DPS oh, the with look, one Mercy at us? The it look, was incredible.
1: The look on, like, s- super, even Moth's No, Moth was just laughing. Moth's <laughs> face. was
2: so confused.
1: Because Moth is such the stone-cold, like, yeah. player. So if when you pan to Moth, and he's literally just, like, grinning and chuckling, like, booping their mercy off the map it's like you know something it's just it's just a fun game yeah
2: florida was just they're just trying i mean it kind of worked they they took the point it's like
1: wow it
2: worked it
1: worked i feel like you should just stuck
2: with it and been like you know what if we get steamrolled at least we got steamrolled running five dps and we'll have a lot of like a lot of retweets on twitter or something sure yeah (laughs) it was pretty it 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 was fun it was fun florida's still bad
1: i just think Going into it, again, Houston is still trying to figure out what they're doing. Like they said, they're kind of playing what they want to play and what they're good at to see what works.
2: They're inconsistent.
1: And it's that inconsistency that keeps coming back. And so I just feel like this time, when what Houston was trying was just not what you were supposed to try against Florida. Because there's moments where I'm like, okay, Florida's just pushing all the way through. And then Houston's like just letting it happen, or Houston's pushing all the way through and Florida's just letting it happen. It wasn't really like anything where it was like,
2: ooh, big show of skills. Like, Oh no, that, the Bastion switch. Is that,
1: the Bastion switch, I'm not going to deny, the Bastion switch was like something they did not see coming. That was so I was like, just out of nowhere, everybody's healths is draining, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is this is interesting." Just
2: deleted the entire team. Yeah, that's...
1: the except for the poor, you know, poor uh Lucio trying to just push it on the other side of yeah, the payload. But it was it was it, it was still a fun game to watch in a way. It's just I don't know. Houston's too inconsistent, and Florida is like the definition of inconsistency. I
2: think
0: they're just the definition of bad. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're gonna move into our. Our second segment of the day. MVP voting is starting. So, who are your early favorites for MVP guys? I know mine. Kareev. <laughs> when you when you win MVP off of one week of your career. Yeah. Sure. I exactly. mean.
2: Why not? Alright, Kareev is the MVP. Um with honorable mentions. <laughs> uh I think you go Sinatra is the top one. Like Sinatra's number one. And I think he's going to win it because he's been the best player on the most important hero in GOATS for the entire season. Uh-huh. No. But I think Sinatra could lose his MVP status because yet again, there's like two or three more months left of the stage or, or mm-hmm. of the season and the meta can still switch. Yeah. Sure. And I think a,
0: a very good possible candidate is someone like Dante who hard carries his team. You, huh.
2: Uh, uh oh. that's a that's a curveball. That's a, yeah. something I didn't. I, I don't think well, he would. I don't think he would win it. But I feel okay. like he's a good honorable man. If Houston made the playoffs, like the the real yeah. actual playoffs, like the end, then I could see Dante getting like votes. Yeah, sure. but I don't know if he would win it simply because of the rest of the season. Yeah, and off the Sinatra point, Sinatra is not the best, not even close to the best DPS player on his team. He's sure. the best Zari on his team. But if Zarya falls out of favor, then yeah. Sinatra's Doomfist is not top tier. Sinatra's Tracer is outclassed Rusty. by Striker's Tracer yeah. easily. His Sombra is not super great. So I could see Sinatra being like that early favorite, like right mm-hmm. now. And then if the meta switches, suddenly people are like, oh yeah, Sinatra's kind of limited in mm-hmm. terms of elite, elite talent. And then, you know, he falls out of favor for somebody like Axel. Who I think is like the second candidate. That's fair. For MVP.
1: Okay. If I'm going off the basis of they're just going to start making skins for these dudes, I think the most interesting skin would be a bumper skin. Yeah, well bumper's...
0: He's... He's not MVP. He's not an MVP. Though. He's a well, no. well, If you know what? If you're looking at it from, like, Shock's perspective, he's MVP. Or if you're looking at it from literally any of their opponent's perspective, he's MVP. Yeah. He's the one that wins the game for them, not for yeah. Titans. There's no way Bumper could be MVP.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting because... Because
0: Twilight and Haxel exist. And Twilight
1: yeah. and
2: Haxel are the reason why that team works.
1: When they were talking about, like, MVP voting on the broadcast over the weekend... And they had, like, their list of people who they had up. They had, like, obviously Sinatra, Super. And then they had, you know, three of the people from um, from Vancouver. And then I don't remember who was the last person they put, put up. But I'm also just sitting here like, it's really early to be voting for MVP.
2: It is early. But, I mean, I don't know. People start talking about MVP conversations, like, mid-season and every That's other true. sport. That's true. Yeah. Like, you can kind of have an idea. It's like, Sinatra, Twilight... Haxel maybe, and then you start getting to like the second level, like could be MVP, but probably won't be. Super. Dudes like Prophet Jonak, who's always in the MVP conversation. Kareev might be making himself into that conversation. Jay Hong, you know all these different dudes, but I feel like it has to be Sinatra or Haxel, yeah, or Twilight. It's, it's, gonna it's gonna those, be those three. three. I could see some stupid assholes saying Bumper could be in like the MVP conversation. But they're just blinded by some flashy shatters or whatever, not realizing that Bumper is enabled Mm. by his MVP teammates. Sure. Um, Taking the pressure off him, allowing him to be insane. Uh, And then like some dark horses, Jae Hong is my dark horse because as I said, Jae Hong is going to be the MVP of this stage and I think Jae Hong is... The best Ana in the world.
1: I think he's the mo- one of the more talented supports.
2: Yeah, he's easily the most talented support. And so, Jonak, people aren't going to vote for Jonak because he already won the MVP, and people are going to be like, well, Jonak mm-hmm. already won it. He's always great, blah, blah, blah. And you forget about him. But I think Jay Hong, by the time MVP voting starts mattering, they're going to be like, damn, Jay Hong is putting up these crazy stats, blah, blah, blah. He's mm-hmm. in the MVP conversation. Especially
1: with the meta changing over where there's like less Diva play against and, more Anna. and there's more Ana because. Again, which is brought up, the problem with D.Va is her defense matrix kind of makes Ana a useless hero, and the less Diva you see on the opposite team, the more jehong gets to play Ana, which means the more crazy shit we get to see him do with Ana.
2: Yeah, like, people are, you know, crazy about Karee's play, which is great, but I mean, I feel like this opens the door for Jae to yeah. respond. And, and, you know, show Kareem who Daddy is. So, (laughs) 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 So, so, you know, I think Jay Hong is going to be up there. But, I mean,
0: it's like Sinatra or Axel or Twilight. Like, it's those three dudes. So, and, you know, also I wanted to ask, was this week the most exciting week of stage 2 to you guys? At least so far. Most exciting week of the season. Sorry, did I say stage 2? I meant season 2. I mean, stage 2, season 2. This is stage 3, not stage 2. Is this... Is this... <laughs> sta- week 3 of stage 3, is that your favorite week of stage 2? It's my favorite week uh, of the season, goddamn. Yeah. like
1: Oh, I think it was the week that had all of the twists and turns, all the excitement that you expected from like the earlier games of Overwatch League. These were the games where it was like going into it... Again, like we've said... This mid-season like season kind of slump that happens is where all the wild shit always happens in normal games.
0: Yeah, so that it's funny you say that because I went into this week thinking nothing fucking interesting was going to happen. I mean, uh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's kind of a, yeah, that's we what all, we all thought. This week was kind of like an afterthought.
1: Yeah, this is like, oh man, this is a boring week. Guess I'll tune into some games. And then, man, if we had not watched Valiant versus Vancouver, that would have been a shame. But it's just one of those, it, it was one of those weeks where it was, like, everything kind of collided where the top teams, or the teams that were having the most, like, forward momentum from, like, before, started to slow, like, slow down. And so, like, so you saw Titans screw up on things, Dallas, you know, fell from what they were doing, Houston kind of fell back from what they were doing, everybody kind of looked tired, the only team that didn't look tired is Shock, which is because they already they played had Florida. Yeah, cuz they had an easy game. So it's like
0: Shock took a field trip. Yeah, they just <laughs> played Florida.
1: So it's like all the lower teams got a moment to be like let's do these upsets because everyone else is very tired and you could just see that everybody kind of came in sloppier than normal.
0: Shock literally got like a substitute teacher in an art class this week like I mean, honestly. Like... <laughs> substitute teacher. Let's <laughs> what uh, yeah. up. That's that's what happened. It was, yeah. Rip Florida. Anyways, if you want to find us on Instagram or Twitter, you can do that at Scrapyard Media. You can find us on YouTube or anywhere else podcasts are available at Scrapyard Media. Check us out on Steam, Xbox, or PlayStation at Scrapyard Media. Link to our Discord in the description below. Be safe. Oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, like, yo, straight up, any of y'all want to play me in Magic the Gathering and want to get wrecked by a discard deck? I'm just saying portly platypus on mtg arena i'll make you cry
0: anyone want to play with me on rainbow six you can find me at scrapyard media on xbox live we could also play red dead i guess
1: anyone want me to keep them company in the twitch chats
2: (laughs) (laughs) you could do that you
1: could do that
2: i just reached plat and overwatch too so like party party sure so now uh if y'all want to play some hardcore plat games get at me all right so here's one thing before we move on to the last segment or before we talk, I want to talk about the homestand that's coming up. Okay. But before we move on to that, I do want to say that, so I just hit Platt. Yes. It's a great accomplishment. I sure. rose like 300 SR in like three days. It was ridiculous. I was on fire. I was playing the best video games of my life. It felt like Kareev up in that motherfucker. But now that I'm in Platt, I- I've come to two conclusions. Plat Reinhardts all think they're bumper. And Platt Roadhogs are unkillable. On my team and on the enemy team, you know, like how sometimes it's always like the enemy team widow hits every single shot, but my widow can't hit like <laughs> the side of a barn. Both roadhogs simply can't die. Like, I, I'll have roadhogs on my team that are like 1v6ing on the point, just staying there, like through multiple respawns of like teammates and stuff. And then, you know, the enemy roadhog is like, roadhogs low, roadhogs low, and then suddenly he's back up at full health, already having used its healing thing. Like, it's insane. And then Reinhardt's. Sometimes they have a good Reinhardt, but I've, a lot of plat Reinhardt's just be like, group up with me, while like the rest of the team is like still at spawn and they've charged ahead. And, like we don't have a Lucio, we can't like catch up with you. Yeah. So Reinhardt charges ahead, and then is like, group up with me, group up with me, and then just charges into the middle of the, like the capture point, and it's like, yo, dude. And then they just spam like, need healing, need healing. And I'm like, we're still in spawn. Yeah, like we're still coming to you, man. And, you know, or they'll just charge in and it's like, dude, you're going 1v6. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It's like, it's exciting because it's like, wow, I wonder what's going to happen with our Reinhardt this time. But it's very frustrating when you're playing support and you're like, you know, my Zenyatta orbs
0: can't go through walls, homie. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's... There's only so much
2: I can Man, do to help you. The
0: only thing that hurts more than like, well, no, nah, it's not true. Playing Zenyatta is so frustrating for me because like, let me put this out there, I am a filthy Moira main. Dirty, who, Guys, I have gold medals. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I have gold elims. Oh, my God. I have gold elims, healing, uh, <laughs> damage, anything else, objective time, because I don't die. I have gold die.
2: everything. What is, what is Genji
0: doing? Yeah. So, first thing is, I tend to DPS too much on Moira, but I usually also have, like, three other supports, and I'm playing Moira as a DPS. But the thing that I hate about Zenyatta is that you really... If you don't have line of sight, you can't do anything more. You can do that, like, simple geometry, bounce a heel and over around the corner, and, like, at least keep him up for a second. So every time I play Zenyatta, I just get frustrated and switch off. So you're, you're a better man than me, Xavier. Yeah, I And then, Zenyatta. like you said, we should we want to talk about the homestand. Coming up. Yeah. It's, but uh... I don't know if we even need to, because we talked about the last one a little, and we had these predictions that, you know, Dallas would do better. Um... At that time, Dallas was looking pretty decent. Now they aren't. this isn't a Dallas game. This is Atlanta. But I don't know. Atlanta's been looking pretty bad. So I think mostly what we should expect from that is that they probably will perform better in their game, but... I do have
1: to point out uh, something is about right around now when they started saying, hey, remember the Atlanta homestand's coming up, uh, or with the Dallas homestand, it's coming up, it's coming up, there's ads, there's ads, there's ads. I haven't seen that many. Yeah, Atlanta
2: homestand isn't, I mean, it's in two weeks, so there's still, like, some time. But
1: they're showing a lot for the LA one, which isn't until next stage.
2: Yeah, that is true.
1: So it's like, I'm seeing a lot of, like, hey, there's the Kit Kat rivalry thing going on here in LA, where it's, like, all the rivals are coming in, and we're gonna battle this one weekend. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, last time they were like, oh, the Dallas game has sold out, and I haven't heard anything about the atlanta game getting sold out i haven't heard as much about the atlanta homestand as i have about these teams that kind of been here from the very beginning and it just comes off as like hey this is what we were talking about you're not pushing these things that you're trying to push for next year to be big like you should push these homestands more especially with it being that atlanta is literally like two weeks away and this for months away it's like august 24th when that the LA one happens. Yeah,
2: and I do want to talk about some of the matchups because I have thoughts, and I will I will yell about them next week as well. But I just want to say, you need to do better with these homestand matchups because yeah. we're sitting around, going to watch New York Excelsior 4-0 the Florida Mayhem, and Atlanta is playing Toronto, which it's cool that you're giving Atlanta like an easier game while they're at home, but that's not a good game. You know, have Atlanta face Philly. You know, have have Atlanta face Shanghai. These games are pretty awful for this homestand. So if it doesn't sell out, I wouldn't be completely shocked because, quite frankly, the games just aren't good. You know, Florida is playing Atlanta day two of the homestand. Mm-hmm. There's nothing exciting. You know, the only thing that's exciting is the fact that it's in an arena. But it's not exciting. Yeah. yeah. And so these matchup like these Atlanta matchups are kinda garbage. And you know, we'll get into them when we talk capture point uh next week. But I don't know, man. Like homestands are cool, but I don't know if I'm gonna like really take time out to sit here and watch Philly versus
0: Washington and Florida versus New York.
1: Yeah, that's that's just some
0: You know, a at com- eight thirty PM. Yeah. So fair. Yeah. But here here's another thing that's kinda like bugging me about this whole thing. Is that like sure day one like Saturday, uh, the Atlanta game is getting like covered on ABC, mm-hmm. but then on Sunday they're covering the Washington and Guangzhou game on ESPN two, but they aren't going to have any like TV coverage for the actual Atlanta game. Yes, that's stupid. That's yeah, so dumb, and down. it's also Washington Justice versus Guangzhou Charge. Who cares? Who's gonna watch
2: on ESPN? And another thing is in Dallas, the Dallas field went on last. Yeah and Atlanta is playing third which is weird.
0: Yeah, and then the last game is New York versus Toronto, which is not going to be an interesting game. It's it's weird because it's like in Dallas
2: they went on last, had these crazy games and you got that fun like curtain call moment with yeah. all of, but you can't really do that if they're going on third, yeah. have this big emotional
0: curtain call and be like, "All right, all right, all right, now we're going to have another game." Yeah, not this. to mention they're okay. Yeah. So to be fair, like I said earlier, Dallas was looking better during, like, leading up to their homestand. So, uh, week two, they performed pretty well. Uh, week three, uh, Dallas got shit on. They got 4 0 twice. But they were playing really good teams. They were yeah. playing Seoul and, what, Shock? Yeah. yeah. So, like... That's what, you, that's what happens. That's what happens. And then going into their homestand, they performed really well. And mm-hmm. after their homestand, they performed pretty well. Atlanta has not had a single win.
2: Yeah, they've been bad.
0: And then, I mean, I guess they have a chance because they're going against Toronto and Florida. Florida just got to win on Houston, though, so there's a chance they could beat Atlanta, which would be really shitty. I just don't think Atlanta's going to perform as well. I think this homestand's going to be kind of bunk. Yeah. But the,
2: the energy will be fun. Yeah. But I don't think Atlanta's going to bring the hype that Dallas brought.
1: Here's the thing that I have a problem with. With, as we said, with the Dallas game, there is the them going last, this big showstopper. But then with the Atlanta game, it's like they're going third, they're in this and that. And then if we move forward to, like, the technically valiant homestand where it's like valiant is going last and it's all these like rivalries where it's like atlanta versus dallas boston versus nyxl shock versus vancouver gladiators versus valiant and then you have dragons versus spark boston and atlanta new york versus vancouver which is something everyone has been begging to see and then shock versus valiant like these are all like games that are Extremely like fan oriented.
2: Boston versus Vancouver would be a way better game than Boston versus Florida. Or no, uh, Atlanta
0: versus Boston would be a way better game. Yeah, than yeah. Than Atlanta versus Florida. Sure, for a home, for the home stand. But we're not getting that. And uh, yeah, so okay. unfortunately, Florida and Washington. We're, we're getting <laughs> shitty shit. <laughs> we're watching Washington get murdered by Philly. <sighs> unfortunately, it's rough. Anyways, like I was saying before, stay safe. Love each other. And don't forget to ride your horse till you can't know more. Roll outro.